Hello and welcome to Tape Notes, the podcast that looks behind the scenes at the magic of recording and producing music. Every episode we'll be reuniting an artist and producer and talking through some of the highlights from their collaboration in the studio. So join us as we lift the lid on the creative process and the inner workings of music production to see what lies beneath. Hello, I'm John Kennedy, and joining me for this episode of Tape Notes are 100 Gex to talk about how they wrote, recorded, and produced the album 10,000 Gex. 100 Gex are an American experimental electronic duo consisting of producers Dylan Brady and Laura Les. Growing up in St. Louis, Missouri, Laura and Dylan spend their teenage years immersed in the world of music. Laura found inspiration after learning to play the guitar, while Dylan shared his beats on SoundCloud. However, it was only after meeting in a house party that the pair first had the idea to collaborate. Recording alongside their college audio engineering course, in 2016 they released their debut EP, 100 Gex. Although unable to find the time to continue releasing music together, in 2019 they performed a DJ set at the Minecraft Fire Festival. The event reignited their creative partnership and they set to work on new material, releasing their debut album, 1000 Gex, later that year. Labeled one of the most exhilarating records of the year, the duo's maximalist blend of hyperpop, stadium-sized trap beats, and distortion to near destruction gained them a cult-like following. Following a tour supporting Brockhampton and a remix album collaborating with artists such as Charlie XCX, Rico Nasty, and Fallout Boy, in 2023, the band released their second studio album, 10,000 Gex. Maintaining their status as hyperpop trailblazers, the record reached the number four spot on the US album charts. This time, leaning into pop-punk, new metal and ska, the record has been described as the perfect outro album for the end of the world. Today, I'm at home in Morden, South London, and I'm joined by Dylan from his studio in LA and Laura from Colorado. And what better way to start our conversation than by hearing something from the record? This is Dumbest Girl Alive. If you think I'm stupid now, you should see me when I'm high And I'm smarter than I look, I'm the dumbest girl alive I took ten of bills today, I got bruises on my thighs Plus I gave away my brain, I'm the dumbest girl alive I got lightning in my veins, walk around like Frankenstein I did science on my face, I'm the dumbest girl alive Never ask me what I think, don't know why you even try Cause I always get it wrong, I'm the dumbest girl alive Money coming from my mouth, money coming from my So good. It is Dumbest Girl Alive by 100 Gex, the opening song on the album 10,000 Gex. And I'm very pleased to say that I've got 100 Gex connected to me. I've got Hello. Dylan Brady and Laura Lairs. How are you? Never better. Doing well. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. So we're connected online. You're in two separate places, but I think maybe in the same town. Nope. <laughs> no? Okay, so Laura, where are you? I'm, uh, I'm somewhere in the mountains. Still in California, though? Uh, I'm in Colorado right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Dylan, where are you? I'm in LA. You're in LA. Excellent. Okay. Um, so it, it's great to have you here. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I mean, 10,000 Gex only came out this year, but already it's clocking up the millions of streams. People are very excited about it. And we're going to examine how you created some of these songs. Um, and the first one that we're going to look at is Hollywood Baby. So maybe we'll have a quick blast of the master of that, and then we can start at the beginning. Sure. Getting lazy 
crazy clear blue sky but it rains all the late fees did you get the payment we had an arrangement we don't want to watch the news we just read Hollywood Baby by 100 Gex and this is the first song we're going to look at with Dylan and Laura. So where did it all begin for this tune? Um, I had a demo of just like the hook bit and it was like really slow. Do you have that handy? I mean, do you... uh, I could play a tiny bit of it. Uh, right. vibe slower yeah. wetter softer and in terms of how you were doing that i mean is it as it sounds like it just sounds like you've got your guitar out and you've created a riff and you've recorded it or are you doing something else entirely you're creating that in a completely different way pretty much just that you know familiar chord progression with the vocal thing yeah and so i mean this is interesting today because obviously we're hooked up online and in some ways this is part of your process, I think, that you connect and communicate in separate places online and swap tracks back and forth. Yeah. I mean, we use, um, in Logic, there's this thing called uh, track alternatives. We used to do it like we'd take a file and then we'd make a duplicate of the file and call it like Money Machine 2 and send it back and forth. And now we've been using the pro power user shit it's called track alternative. So on each project file, there's like a hundred different alternatives or whatever. And uh, so we just keep racking those up and then we have them saved to a Dropbox so we can just edit off the same project file over and over again yeah. now, which is way better than the other way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In my mind, you see, I'm picturing you both never leaving the studio, uh, but different studios and you're there 24-7 just kind of working on things all the time but maybe i've got a misconception no way buddy i hate working i uh (laughs) i just got a dog um yeah pretty much i mean like uh like even when we were working at the same studio we were uh using our friend's room at uh east west for a while jeff who uh mixed a lot did a lot of the final like mixes for the album we were working out of his studio and uh, we were in two different rooms in the same, like, like I, I don't know how to say it, like two different, like, individual rooms in the same, like, studio Yeah, he had like, an a, he had, like, an A and B room. Right. So, like, even when we're, like, kind of in the same place, we uh, still, like, I mean, I love to work alone because I don't like to subject people to be doing a hundred different, like, takes of the same thing over and over again. So it's kind of nice. And then plus, like, you can take as much time doing as much stupid little edits. So that's, I like that. Yeah. But we, we were together a lot more on this album, for sure. Yeah. So so you, you played just that little demo thing that you had. What happened after that? 
I go, wow, that was such a good thing. Good job, Dylan Brady. Why don't you go ahead and send me that project file and, and I'll do something to it. So, I mean, yeah, you know, it's a process of iteration. So every time we trade it back and forth, we, you know, generally try to do something. Like we'll add a section or like spruce something up. Or there was like a bridge in earlier, I think up to the point when we were recording with uh, Josh. And, uh, you know, so we'll take stuff out like that because, you know, maybe it's just not hitting perfectly right. Or um, there was uh, pretty recently, I want to say like, you know, a, a few months before we were done with it, there was a totally different verse. Like mm-hmm. this was the, the whatever ended up on the album was kind of the original one. And then I was like, eh, I don't know. I'm going to come up with a different melody. So there's like this alternative melody verse that's in one of the versions, one of the the project alternatives and stuff. There's, uh, I think Hollywood Baby 2 has, um, everything is much more like, like it would sound on our first album. It's all like very uh, pitched up and stuff. But I mean, you know, what we do is we have all this stuff and with this one, especially with this album, we just tried to throw like as much spaghetti at the wall as we could. And then eventually the hope is the good spaghetti sticks and everything else melts away. And uh, you get a picture of the Mona Lisa <laughs> at the end. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, we've been asked, uh, I, I think um, we did an interview recently where they were like, you know, do you ever want to release like the alternate versions or something? And we're just like, no. I mean, <laughs> all the best, the best stuff ended up on it you know we we pruned it you know we just throw more and more on there and then we chisel away as we're going along too yeah um so how long is this whole process this toing and froing between the two of you varied i would say generally we we go for as long as we have yeah like we (laughs) you know well i mean you can hear there's some differences between when we turned the album in to get the record cut because we had to turn our vinyl in very early. So there's a lot of differences, some bigger than others, but between the version that's on physical media and the versions that are on streaming. A um, couple songs have different verses even, you know. So generally we, we go like, as much time as we have, we're gonna use it to uh, spruce things up, yeah. you know. I mean... Me personally, like some of them were like bugging me. So I was like, I have to change this or else like I'm just going to it's going to bug me. And Dylan, I know Dylan was adjusting snares and things uh, up to the line and the hats in uh, I think it's the hats and frog on the floor or some somehow different. Yeah. I don't really remember exactly. Yeah, but uh, they're much better in the stream. Yeah, mode. so we we take it up to the line as long as we've got we pretty much try to be making the songs better yeah yeah it's yeah. really interesting yeah. to know that some of the f- versions on the physical versions of the album do vary from what you get on the streaming oh, or yeah. the download that's really interesting well the uh the verses on 757 are uh my my verse is completely different on the streaming and the the physical i wanted to do something else so. yeah yeah that's really interesting. And w- when you're doing this kind of exchange, do you each take on particular roles or are you both working it in the same way or, or 
Now, do you like one person to focus on one aspect and another person to focus on another aspect? Not really. I mean, I think that we pretty much share most duties. Um, mm. Dylan is a lot more critical of certain things, like um, like the dynamics of the drums sometimes. I mean, I, I pretty much listen to everything on shitty headphones and stuff, but he's got really nice speakers, so he uh, <laughs> he catches the... Uh, the dynamics of the drums a lot better, but yeah, in general, not really. We we yeah. kind of just try to, if either of us has an idea to make it better, we try to do it, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I mean, maybe as the riff kind of was where the song started. Maybe if we start with the stems and just kind of bring in that riff, and then explain the idea process and introduce those elements as you go through. Maybe. Yeah. It kind of just started with this riff. <laughs> And then kind of we did most of all the vocal bits without even kind of this one. I think, right? Yeah, that came in uh, pretty late in the process. We was missing some kind of pizzazz and Dylan was like, I have a riff. So then we, it ended up being the centerpiece for yeah. like the, so the that song. So that other riff, the riff we heard before, <laughs> are we going to call them riff A and riff B or, or bit <laughs> one and two? Riff A can be... Uh, the hook. <laughs> so the heavier one, that one. Not that one. The chorus chords. Yeah. 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 So what happened after the heavier riff? What did you think? Right, we need to... No, I'm going to start putting some vocals down on this. Or would you go for the drums next? Or how do you think about it? I think I just kind of did drums, that riff, and the vocal kind of all at the same bit. Just kind of like, kind of have idea well, yeah, what the drums the will sound like in my head. The chords kind of lend themselves to just that, like, don't, yeah. don't, uh, very uh, Beverly Hills Weezer, yeah, kind of. Mm -hmm. It's a good, uh, good template for that sort of thing. Yeah. So it kind of just builds from there, you know. Do you want to put the drums in? Maybe we could hear that. Hear, go back to that riff, and then hear the drums oh, yeah. with the riff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. One thing I, I really like about this one is, uh, well, and a lot of them on the album is um, the mixture of Josh's drums that give you that like space and like a lot of um, punchiness with like the sample drums layered on top of them. It really like thickens out the snare and stuff. And it's pretty, pretty neat. <laughs> Yeah. To me. <laughs> and did you start with the real live drums then? Did you get Josh to play a certain beat and then you recorded that and then started manipulating that? Um, no, we had like the whole demo pretty much. Yeah. So what we did with Josh was we had uh, V drums that we used for like everything and then we played it for him and then whatever his interpretation of how to fuck with the V drums. It sounded like pretty much the same, but like, Little things like the fills and stuff, you know, that's just him fucking with it mostly. And um, same thing with the the guitar. Uh, the guitar is, I think it's Guitar Rig, the plug-in for one of the amps. And then it's Dylan's Mesa for another amp. And mm -hmm. then he has this bass called the Vegas bass, <laughs> which uh, is like a, a synth preset. But it kind of like works double purpose as... Uh, a guitar and the bass 
and then he yeah. has a, a regular like electric bass in there too so it's just it gets really creamy vegas bass yeah that's the vegas bass there i think it switches from electric too can't hear it as much under the Vegas bass, but there's a there's an electric bass in there. Yeah, I think the verses don't have the mesa, so it's just the guitar rig. Oh. Gets big. Yeah, it gets thick. But that's like six guitars playing at the same time, plus a synth line, plus an electric bass. Um, or like play the... Uh, Play the guitar part before um, in the the pre-chorus, like the burder burda burder, because there's a lot of guitars on there too that are like um, pitch shifted. Yeah. yeah, we thought it needed some more uh, harmonic interest there, so instead of trying to re-record everything, I was just like in. <laughs> I was chopping just like the individual little parts and just trying to get them to a part that kind of made a something that went along with the the chords. And then the I, I don't think the chords are pitch shifted or like they're like some of them are and some of them are re-recorded. So you can't hear it as much. But with the riff, you could super hear it, you know. Yeah. And are you applying lots of different processing on each of these elements as you go along? You know, just until you you feel it sounds right. It's got the right level of crunchiness or the right level of thickness or whatever it is you're searching for. You know, are you you doing that kind of almost instantly as you work towards the the fully realized vision of what you're trying to achieve? Totally. Yes. Some things are more utility, like the uh, the pitch shifting. You know, it's kind of like it's like more you're changing the song, and then some things are just like. We're gonna throw a little little decapitator on something just to like try to get it a little bit thicker or like a lot with the layering of the drums and stuff it's like oh okay we're gonna boost 200 on the really punchy snare or something so that it has some more body or stuff you know so to varying degrees but yeah that's what i'm saying with the iteration it's like it just goes back and forth and like it's always being tweaked just slightly. Mm -hmm. Like everything is getting tweaked. Yeah. Although I would say I don't think the the guitars recorded on Dylan's Mesa have very much at all. No. <laughs> we we were kind of just like, sounds exactly how a guitar should sound. Yeah. It's exactly right. And so, I mean, with this record, did you take a different approach to the previous releases? You know, did you want more straightforward? things this time around in some ways to have a contrast with what you had put out already i mean because obviously people are going to expect certain things from 100 gex and all those elements are across the album but at the same time the vocals are slightly different you know there's less auto tuning on on the vocals you know the, and like with this track as a good example you know that guitar is as you say how a guitar should sound you know for the majority of the track it's like a mix like a lot of it is just we're listening to different kinds of music so we're kind of whenever we're not like actively making a thing or when we are actively making a thing you know we're listening to a ton of music and being like oh that's cool about that you know and so one thing that 
struck me for this album was like just like uh normal music the normal way (laughs) we one of the things that we kept saying is we want something that's closer to something that you could play at a barbecue it's so like uh, there's all the memes of like cookout vibes yeah all the memes of like uh you know i love this but uh i can't play this in front of any of my friends that was like a common comment on the first album so it was kind of like right it'd be cool to have some more stuff that you could play for your friends you know (laughs) yeah i mean not like in a in a we were like we have to change everything but like it's like slightly influential you know like yeah yeah let's pick some fucking you know just something something you could play for your dad and your dad would like it you know (laughs) Some music. Some music, man. (laughs) Well, I mean, Hollywood Baby is a good example of that, you know, in that you can kind of see its connection to Weezer, say, as you've already mentioned them, or, you know, its connection to a band like Sleigh Bells, who are also playing around with, you know, volume in different ways and with program beats in different ways, but at the same time trying to create something that taps into those other more straightforward yeah more normal elements well yeah and it's funny that people talk about this album like it's um like all that way i mean i think a lot of the things that we did are i mean whether they're like normal it's a lot of the same shit that we did on the first album there's just a lot of guitars instead of super saws you know it's not really all that different like it's it's pretty much the same vibe. We just used more guitars this time and more uh, live drums. I mean, we got to work with Josh Freeze, and that was fucking awesome. He's an incredible drummer, and you yeah. Know, so we were like, "Fuck yeah, we're we're definitely we're putting live drums all over the thing." <laughs> so any live drums on this record are played by Josh Freeze. That's what you're saying. Yep. No wonder they sound so big. Yeah. He's got a heavy hand. There's Josh Freeze. There is an app called Superior Drummer. It's like a very realistic sounding. V drum type thing. There's uh, individual samples that we got off of Splice. Samples from Josh. Yeah, samples from Josh, like just him hitting a drum once. Um, there's Logic stock drum kits in here. It's like we pretty much were trying to pull whatever we could into getting it all together. Uh, we just made like a bunch of silly snares or crazy kind of ones in the same sessions too. So I got a bunch of those. That's a very normal sounding one. Yep. We got the Laura snare. Josh snare. Yeah. Dylan bought, uh, I think he bought like, it had to be like fucking somewhere between six and eight different snares. Actual physical (laughs) snare drums. Yeah, some with like super resonant and pingy like those ones and some more regular ones and stuff. And we just brought them in the same room. That we recorded uh, Josh doing it and just fucking recorded a bunch of different snares so that uh, Dylan's got a whole... He's got a studio full of snares and he's got a folder full of samples. Right. And so, I mean, would you be able to build up a little drum sequence using those elements? Are you able to do that with the stems that you have in front of you? Um, we summed... I think we ended up summing the Josh stuff after we mixed it to make it easier to work with. Yeah. All of the... Uh, all of the symbols are all from the room, though. That's all, Josh. This is all. And then we add. And that snare is him as well, just smashed and shit. All right, so then all together. 
That squishes nice together. Yeah, sounds sounds great. It sounds so big. It sounds yeah. uh, so exciting to have Josh Freeze uh, at your fingertips, as it were, um, and all these other elements, and to bring them together. We were so excited that he would uh, want to work with us. We we actually were trying for like a couple months to get him. We were listening to uh, it was as the uh, Danny Elfman record was rolling mm-hmm. out, and all the singles were coming out. We would like listen to the singles in the car. And then Dylan was just like, we just need that guy. We need whoever's doing that. We need him to just do our shit. <laughs> so we we reached out to him. And then like maybe I think it was like two months later. Right. He got back to us. He's a busy guy. It, he's he's busy doing guy. He, he does drums for people wouldn't even realize that he's done drums for like just everything. Just yeah. fucking everything. Yeah. And of course, now he's the newest member of Foo Fighters. Hell Yeah. Yeah, he's just landed that I job. I found the riff. Pretty amazing. Oh, you found the riff. Which riff is this? The original Hollywood Baby riff. Oh, wow. <laughs> Give it to us then. <laughs> they said it couldn't be done. <laughs> there it is. Fantastic. There it is, baby. So the key elements, the riff, the drums... And then the vocals. Yeah, the vocals. So how did you go about approaching these? Well, Dylan had his hook like the entire time. Like he <laughs> he knew exactly what he wanted it to be from like the beginning. So he obviously on the the old version that you heard, the original version, it was like whatever. So he, re- he re-recorded it, a little more energy and stuff. And then my verse I did like, Way too many fucking takes being anal about it. So <laughs> didn't didn't end up getting done till till way later. But uh it's like each verse is like three different layers and they're all like they're auto-tuned, but in a way that you can't tell as much. Very, very slight type auto-tune. Yeah. Crying about baby, are you getting lazy? Clear blue sky, but it rains all the late Here's my vocal. I'm going crazy. Very tuned. It sounds great, though. Perfect. And so, I mean, and those two lines were kind of a jumping off point for you, Laura. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. It's like it's it's about being a baby in Hollywood. So I wrote a bunch <laughs> of things about how I fucking hate a lot of things about Hollywood, and then that's what it ended up being. And then I did a bunch of takes trying to get it right. Right. Especially those high notes. I was like, God damn, it's, it's so, so high. <laughs> but I was like, it has to be that, though. So good. And do you sing with the autotune on or do you apply it afterwards? Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of modern computing is uh, you can uh, do it most of the time without latency so uh shout out to waves tune real time and yeah definitely trying to keep it on so that i can hear how it's what it's doing as it's doing it and stuff yeah play the uh play the outro the outro is funny because it's like i think i i want to say here i have the project open right here trying to see how many fucking layers it is on here never make it in hollywood baby (laughs) 
So it's like 30, 30 vocals. Yeah. It sounds great though. Yeah, it's it's funny. Our uh, and then each one of those has fucking uh, about four or five different plugins on it. It's like it's <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the time making this album was just spent like freezing tracks so that they didn't like chug our CPU because we're working off laptops like a hundred percent of the time. So we're uh, we're constantly trying to figure out how to get the tracks to actually like record and play like without shredding our computer. Um, yeah. I think if I'm looking here right, the stereo out track is like track 334 on this project. <laughs> so it's <laughs> now a lot of those are like muted and like off. But like, it's just funny to look at your project file and it's like, yeah, there's 334 different <laughs> different tracks happening here. <laughs> if we did a uh, a real track rundown, it would be uh, it would take ages. Yeah, we got the we got the most numbers, baby. We. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it'd be the brightest uh, the brightest tool in the shed, but we got a, a whole lot of tracks going. <laughs> but it illustrates just how how far. And how much you have to do to kind of realize what you're trying to do. We could probably do it with less. <laughs> we went <laughs> we went a little bit crazy. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so let's just have a reprise of, of Hollywood Baby and all its glory um, so that people can put it all back together in their minds. <laughs> and here's how it all ended up. Baby, you'll never make it in Hollywood, baby. You'll never make it in Hollywood, baby. You'll never make it in Hollywood, baby. hundreds of tracks to create this magic Hollywood baby by 100 gecks and I guess I should have asked whether this had any relation to you moving to LA Laura because when I first heard it I thought oh you know does that connect in any way to because obviously Dylan you've been living in LA for a few years uh, but Laura kind of joined you more more recently yeah well I was living in Chicago I, I was doing uh, school whenever Dylan moved to LA so uh I I was thinking about doing it when he did I was like maybe I should just I I wasn't really liking school very much I was like maybe I could just move you know fuck it and uh I ended up finishing school staying there for a while and then once uh stuff started kind of popping off with Gex I was like okay now is definitely the time like I want to try it you know belly of the beast get to hang out with Dylan all the time too and uh, kind of be around, you know, everything going on. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. So, yeah, move move there and saw all the stuff. And I was like, all right, I got my fill. <laughs> and now, now you're in Colorado. <laughs> yes, now I'm in Colorado. Excellent. Right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to look at 757. The next song we're going to look at with 100 Gex by 100 Gex is 757. So Dylan, if you could play us the master, uh, that would be great. 
757, 100 Gex from 10,000 Gex. And uh, we were just going through drum tracks. And in some ways, 757 is is one of the key tracks with amazing shifting drum takes. It sounds to me when I listen to it that you've got tons of different drums there and you're constantly moving. It's constantly shifting. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of electronic a, type a manic vibe. one. Yeah, yeah, a little more electronic vibes. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how did 757 come about? Because I, I'm, I'm just wondering with each of these tracks, is it, do they just emerge out of experimentation or just a light bulb moment? Um, and then you kind of quickly record that, quickly sketch that, and then start building that up from there? Or, or do you occasionally have a, more of an agenda where you think, what we need to do is make this kind of a track. That's um, what we want to do. I had like an idea for the a riff that kind of hit like that with the space, like the kind of thing. Yeah. And then it kind of just built around that a bit. Yeah. I think when uh, when I heard it first, it was pretty much the chorus of how it is now. I mean, minus uh, mm-hmm. some production, you know, it was pretty much sounded exactly how it sounds on the record. It's one of the ones that came together a little bit easier and it was mostly just little tweaks along the way. And the uh, the second half, kind of. I don't remember what that was originally. The end, I don't think it was anything originally. And then... It was just like, that vibe, I think, right? Yeah, it was. It, it used to be all like how the rest of the song is. And then I was like, gotta slow it. Cool, cool yeah. to do a slower slower ending type bit. Yeah. What's, what's that? What did you just play? 757-2. Oh, nice. So we hit it a bit. Are we able to hear any before and after things with that? Kind of just you kind of get that. Like that. I mean, the difference yeah. between whatever that that version was—that's mm-hmm. the second version—and I think the the final ended up being the fourth version. So, what bit of piano is this? Some pi- so some- that's uh, we were in. Uh, uh, what was yeah. that Studio One? I think at uh, East West. Yeah. We did a bunch of stuff in Studio One because uh, nobody else was there, but we were working at like three in the morning. So uh, we snuck into uh, the big expensive studios and uh, got some tracks in there. It's where yeah. like Michael Buble <laughs> records and stuff. Right. Um, <laughs> so, so is that a grand piano there? Or? So that's a grand. Yeah. That's a grand yeah. piano that's in Studio One. Yeah. I like the way that you're kind of taking opportunity when it arises. So it's like, oh, nobody's here. Quick, let's get in there. What, what will this sound like? Yeah. Kind of hit that piano. Yeah. Everything's kind of a, a hodgepodge for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the kind of breakdown section, it goes almost like sped up bark or something like that. Does that make any sense to you? Sped up bark. The, no, 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 no. Bach? Yes, as in Bach. Johann oh, Sebastian. Yeah. 
How did you do that? Was that uh, just like, um, that wasn't just mashing. I think you did like a whole, he did like a whole keyboard solo and then yeah. we took the MIDI of the keyboard solo and like sped it up and then used that as the pitch shifting thing. You yeah. can, uh, you can so MIDI just, in. It's just like a really long vowel changing, like, uh, <laughs> What was that originally again? So that, I mean, all those different elements. Um, so this is just a really long vocal. Right, the whole thing. It's just a really long vocal. And then we, um, well, this bit. That is, um, the notes are controlled by right. MIDI really fastly, really quickly. Yeah. But the whole song slows down too. And then goes up. And then we doubled it. We doubled it with the banjo. And we doubled it with the sine wave. And then it's all like this. Oh, yeah. Chop it up for the drum bits. Yeah. Yeah. That that's I love how the the MIDI tracked uh vocal sound on that last bit so good <laughs> just comes together you know do you have that initial vocal there dylan um i think it's just his vocal from the chorus right. saying 757 just slowed all the way yeah, down yeah it's like yeah here i can kind of do a fake one yeah so for the listening audience he chopped out just like a <sighs> section of the chorus and he's got it on a new track and he's going to stretch it out right and then that's what it'll sound like minus the uh, the pitch. Are you gonna do the pitch too? Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So if we hear what it sounded like, and then hear what you're doing yeah. to it. So we got this. Nice. So that's all slowed down. Yeah. So what he just did, so he's got the mm. slowed down thing that you heard, and then he's got uh, a MIDI track that's going to control the pitch shifting uh, that he's got. He's got a little thing written in there. <laughs> Etc. It's great. Yep. Simple as. And then uh, you play a little keyboard solo. Yeah, kind of. Misses the note sometimes, but <laughs> it works yeah, better on yeah. the raw vocal. That's great. Yeah. But anyway, you can kind of get an idea of, of how to. Brilliant. So I, I think Johann yeah. Sebastian Bach would like that. <laughs> I don't know. He hasn't hit us back. <laughs> If he likes it so much, he should answer our calls. We keep trying to get him on a track. He can be reanimated. He can rebuild him. So when you started doing 100 Gex, I mean, you've been working in the exploration of musical production for a long time, since you were teenagers, I would say. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yes. So both both separately <laughs> and together, off and on. Because from what I've, from what I've read, you know, you were in different schools, but in the same place. You met 
as teenagers, you were both interested in making music and you were both making music in different ways. And you were kind of trading ideas, trading mm -hmm. influences and taste and kind of coming together because you both had similar taste. And maybe the people around you that you were actually making music with didn't share that taste in quite the same way. Yeah, I mean, you know, different, just a different vibe. Dill's yeah. made music with a ton of people, you know. We just ended up uh, really congealing on uh, on certain things. Because when I first heard yeah. 100 Gex, you know, I, I thought of so many different artists, you know, that have come through in the last couple of decades, you know, be it Kid 606 or stuff that came through on the digital hardcore label from Berlin or I guess a bit more recently, like people like Sleigh Bells and everything. And I just wondered how much you were aware of all those things or whether the exploration led you to kind of similar conclusions or, or similar thrills that you were getting along the way by by doing all these things. I mean, we always try to make music uh, for us, for the majority of it. It's like, just what do we want to be listening to? Like, that's why, you know, we just always say like, it's totally dependent on whatever we're listening to at the time and stuff. So like, yeah, yeah I mean, in high school, I was super duper into sleigh bells. I'm a, I like to categorize myself as a pretty ravenous uh, music listener. You know, I try to go down as many rabbit holes and listen to as much shit as I uh, get my hands on and stuff. And Dylan's the same. And so we're, we're aware of a lot of stuff. I don't know Kids 606. Yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> so maybe not that ravenous, I guess. <laughs> One of the reasons why I was asking <laughs> about that kind of stuff was that we did have a couple of Patreon questions. So people from our Patreon had, were wondering about the educational side of, of what you're doing. And um, John Mason wanted to know if you had any formal training. And uh, if you did, did you have any learning in how to make music? And and I know that, like you were saying to us, Laura, that you finished school. So you went and did a an audio engineering course, was it? I did. A, it's a bachelor's of science in acoustics. It's like a engineering type vibe. So it's a lot of a lot of math and science, but not not very much uh, music production. Right. That's interesting. And and Dylan, you went to college, but thought, no, I'm going to go to L.A. because you you had already started hooking up with lots of different artists and started working with them via SoundCloud. Is that right? Yeah, but I did also go for three and a half years to audio school. Right. I mean, the biggest thing about school, I think, is that like when you're in school, you kind of are afforded. I mean, at least I was. It's different for everyone, of course. But I uh, was afforded some time to just like fuck off. And uh, like I was recording a couple like local people, just people that were like at the school or whatever and doing engineering stuff that way or audio engineering stuff that way and uh and just like a lot of time i when i was in school at, at the back end i was working uh in a fucking reception job so i had a lot of time to just like sit on my computer and just mess around on logic while i was doing that because uh when you're a receptionist you don't actually do very much <laughs> Going back to um, 757, I mean, it looks, if when we look at the screen, um, looks like you've got all sorts of amazing sounding effects there. You know, I'm looking at uh, Gunshot and Synth Nexus and, you know, could you show us some of those? This is just a Nexus preset with the bass. Duplicate or... And the vocals doing the same melody. 
Got this break that comes in. Couple fills. Dylan made a bunch of um, like transformer type oh, yeah, sound effects so many. for this album, and a lot of them didn't get used, but uh, <laughs> so on many. this song they did. <laughs> he has like a huge folder of transformers type sound effects. I'll play a couple. So, and how did you make them? This one was a recording of my AC unit that is like frequency shifted, the tremolo automated, maybe delay automated. This is a balloon being scratched with all the same shit. This is some uh, celery with all the same shit. Guitar string, all the same stuff. Wow. Dishwasher. <laughs> this one's from a synth. There was a while where uh, he just had this chain, like all those ones that had the same processing, he just had this like chain and it was saved as a preset on his computer. So like, <laughs> I, just, I remember we were just sitting around and he was just throwing different shit into it and just like seeing like if any of it was fun. So like all those were obviously the ones that he kept, but it's just, yeah. Funny. Yeah, there's so many. Breaking wood. Yeah, great. I mean, so we got that in there right here. First drum. Pretty dry. Halfway through, we come in with the freeze snare. Josh freeze snare. Made a bunch of these like sweet things too. It's great. There's so many, so many different sounds and so many options. After you've created all this stuff, I mean, do, do you reach a freezing point where you can't go any further because you just don't know which ones to use, or is, it, or is it just all trial and error? I don't know. I feel like sometimes I'll just go into like modes of where I'll just be making a bunch of kind of stuff to use periodically, but I'm not actually making a thing and then I'll just have access to it later. Yeah. But he makes sample packs. He's got so many just things to pull from. I hate big, doing yeah. that stuff. <laughs> it's 240, 252 gigs. Of just samples. It's too big. <laughs> Love that. What else we got in here? We got this bass layer too. Normal bass, high layer. Stereo vibe. Yeah. Wanted the uh, the low parts to be in the center and the high parts to be split up. Yeah, I'll play the, play the real one. I'm under the house I see the stars 
Oh yeah, the 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 big gunshot. Uh, it's yeah, and that's <laughs> the vocals on uh, on that part are just the the same thing that we did for the rest of the song, but just two layers that are singing harmonies and then a raw one on the top. I like how it thickened out. Mm, yeah, it sounds great. Problems the way that you're talking, you better wear a condom. I smell cowards and sons of a bitch. Everything quick all smells like shit. He's making money off of my problems. The way that you're talking, you better wear a condom. I smell cowards and sons of a bitch. Everything quick all smells like shit. I smell the trees when yeah. I'm in Amazing. So that's 757. And that's a wrap. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to take another quick break and then we'll be back to look at the most wanted person in the United States. The next song we're going to look at is the most wanted person in the United States by 100 Gex. But let's let's hit it. I turned on the news and it said that I was the number one most wanted person in the United States. The United States, the most wanted person in the United States. In the United States, the United States, the most wanted person in the United States. the killer line isn't it anthony kiedis sucking on my penis is that what you say i don't know it was uh no. <laughs> i on that part i wanted to say uh something else like you gotta give it away give it away give it away now and then uh i heard that we would we wouldn't be able to clear that uh <laughs> so i was like all right well i gotta put something there so uh well, that was an inspired choice. So um, <laughs> the most wanted person in the United States is the song. So, I mean, the first thing that strikes me is, um, is that, that bass line, you know, the under me slang tang thing. Yeah. So how did that come about? What was that choice all about? Really good bass line. Love all the different versions. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a kind of classic digital dance hall tune yep. from 1986 or so, but has been versioned and versioned and versioned. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, like so many brilliant strokes of musical genius, like say the Bo Diddley rhythm or whatever, it just enters the lexicon of music, doesn't it? And it's just there for you to pick up and use in whatever way you want to use it. Well, it's just a, uh, it's a uh, preset from a keyboard. So it's like they actually, uh, you don't got to clear it. It's crazy they were trying to do the Bowie thing. Yeah, do, do, do you know the, the vibe of the, the slang tang? It's a little bit of David Bowie. Apparently it's, it's supposed to be like they, they were trying to get the rhythm of that song. And uh, right. that's what ended up on the, the keyboard. Funny. I don't know. It's funny. There's a, there's a YouTube video that talks all about it. It's, it's real fun. Yeah, because uh, I think it's, uh, I'm trying, I can't remember her name, but the person who... Came up with a lot of those rhythms um, in Japan. Yeah. Um, is now kind of being 
celebrate it again. It's it's about her and they talk to her about it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, but obviously you heard it. You thought, well, no, how can we not use this? Or what, what did you think? What was going on? I don't really know how it came into the mix. We had a bunch of different songs coming together as one. Yeah, you had one where you, it was going to be like the slang tang and then it went into like a drum and bass type vibe. I wonder if you have a bounce of that. It should just be called like slang something. Yeah, so that was its own song for a while. And then we also had a song called on the news yeah. and it said that I was the number one most wanted person in the United States. The United States, the most wanted person in the United And then we also had uh, the earlier version of the hook there. Oh, right. That was beatbox. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was that one that just played was a little bit further in where it was. Yeah. We knew that we wanted to put the slang tang on that one. But then for a long time, we just thought we were going to do this uh, beatboxing thing. Oh, with yeah. It. I turned on the news and it said that I was number one most wanted person in the United States. The United States. The most wanted person in the United States. Woo! So, so we kind of congealed all of those together into one, uh, one thing because we couldn't decide. I turned on the news and it said that I was the number one most wanted person in the and then all these different sound effects come in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Scratching by... Um, DJ Final. DJ Final, yep. And that's, that's cut up. Also, we got Cypress Hill. Yeah. Cleared that one. <laughs> Didn't clear that. Yeah, I uh, got the, um, got the scary movie sample in there. Oh, yeah. It's run, right? <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Dogs trying to kill me while I'm pissing. I'm to run, right? <laughs> okay, I'm ready. I think my favorite part of the whole song is, uh, the... Boom, 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 boom. The guitar that you did on, on your verse there. It scratches my brain in such a good way. Just that one little thing. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> it sounds good. Um, obviously, a lot of these sounds are kind of familiar and they're used in lots of different things. You didn't go uh, like you did with the last track and create loads of your own samples. Um, that dog isn't Laura's new dog barking. No. Nope. Really? My dog doesn't bark. All the sound effects are actually just made from sine waves. They're all just sine waves uh, <laughs> and they're, they're playing back at different speeds and uh, different volumes. It's just FM8. <laughs> <laughs> it's all FM synthesis. It's always FM8. Mm -hmm. So what? Um, what do we need to hear? We got the sub.
Low. Little kick. Yeah. Just yeah. a fun song, I think, because it came together from came together from so many different things all at once. So it's a, it's kind of a neat one to to show the the old demos and then be like, yeah. And then we literally just Frankenstein them together. Do you have the original real killer bit? <sighs> Let me see. Uh, not on this computer, but maybe mm. on the other one. Let me uh, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Most of my friends are natural killers. When they leave the house, they're ready for a thriller. A look at my face is so rare, it's priceless. Driving down the road with the So what is this we're listening to then? So this is um, the original demo of the, I don't know, the part of the song where the, the verse melody comes from or yeah. whatever. And uh, I was fucked up about my voice, so I was trying to do it as fucking whatever whatever you call that as i could as as delicate or whatever as possible so you can Beautiful. it all comes together yeah it's great i was like yeah i'm gonna do it as as delicate and quiet as possible and i'll talk about being a killer <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or something and driving driving with a counterfeit license and uh something else i, I there was another crime i think i don't know i don't remember what it was it's interesting when yeah. I mean, the three songs that you've chosen for us to investigate a little bit are all quite contrasting to each other and they they kind of help illustrate the the different extremes that a hundred gex explores you know and there's all sorts of other stuff in there as well and and that's one of the really exciting things about the new album, because you've kind of, you know, you had a whole load of things going on anyway, and now you've kind of done the same again, but in a different kind of way. You no, know? and uh, say an example might be, you know, I got my tooth removed, where it turns into a kind of big band project thing, which is completely different to all the things that we've been listening to as well. And it seems to me that with this record, you wanted to to kind of explore things in a slightly different way to. You know, as you were saying earlier, it's still a hundred gex, and all the elements are still kind of there that were on the first record. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think is so similar to the first one is like, you know, we're we're putting it together almost the same way. We just were given much more time, and uh, you know, like we're always just taking as much spaghetti as we can as we can cook up and and throwing it. You know, so in that way, I think it's super duper similar and uh you know this like congealing things together these different project ideas and stuff together that's just what we're always kind of doing in the the same iterative uh sort of process i mean it just uh we're pulling cookies from different jars this time and uh or guitars less super saws and it's it I feel like the differences in the making process are mostly superficial like we're we're still doing pretty much the same thing just trying out different things trying out new things yeah yeah well I mean it works it's so exciting to listen I always think that you know you, you kind of take us all on on a real trip when you listen to a hundred gex record no it's like thank you what are they gonna throw at us you know as you say the spaghetti no <laughs> it's it's kind of so many different things and and so many different things stick i mean as a listening experience you know each time you listen you you kind of pick up on 
on different things and walk away with those. And then the next time you pick up on a load of other things and walk away with those, all those different earworms, as it were. Well, that's high praise. Thank you. Thank you. It's very kind. Yeah, I mean, this one, we were trying to throw more more stuff in and uh, we layered it on pretty thick. So, you know, uh, stream it, uh, stream it on uh, the fucking Xbox thing. Stream Xbox it on the Xbox music, streaming service. Microsoft Music, yeah. Yeah, the vinyl pays, off, pays out the, the most. Vinyl has a different version. Yeah, vinyl's got vinyl's different mix. You know, you can hear all the different versions. Listen to them each few times. Listen to the streaming ones more. You only have to listen to the record once for us to get the money. <laughs> 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 yeah, you get a you get a different version of the the record too if you put the record into a washing machine, <laughs> and then you play it. Yeah. You're going to hear it's going to be a completely different experience. <laughs> it certainly will be. Um, we have some questions <laughs> that we ask everybody who comes on the podcast. Um, one is a, a tech question or a piece of equipment or a, an instrument that you can't live without or can't create without. I feel like that's always changing. Yeah. Right now I'm really, I got a, a, a baritone acoustic guitar and uh, that's my gear right now. Uh, on this album, I bought a SM7B, nice uh, microphone. So uh, I feel like that that was my one for this album. Yeah. What about you, Dylan? I don't know. Maybe just a guitar for that record. I don't know. Probably serum now. Yeah. Um, the uh, yeah, I don't know. Constantly changing. Um, a uh, Mesa Dual Rec. Yeah, that was good. That was yeah, very crucial for that. Dylan's, Dylan's had that one forever. So nice. The um, other question we ask is about advice and whether you've ever received any advice that you have actually held dear to yourself and, and kind of thought of on occasion or through your own experiences, you've kind of honed advice of your own that you would pass on to other people. I've had two mantras that I have thought of for uh, the recording process of I think the first album and this album that I always try to repeat to myself is that one of Tricks Point never only releases an album every two years and you haven't made the best thing that you've that you're going to. I think that's are both uh, important things to think about yeah. in the process. So take take your time and uh don't freak out because you can't think of anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to chuck in another question. This one comes from one of our patrons from Lucky You, who says, do you have any creative routines? Do you try and create every day or do you give yourselves time off? The weekends off. Yeah, Dylan, Dylan treats it. Dylan's very like five days a week. He's in the studio. I'm in here right now. Yeah. Yeah. My My routine is definitely varying degrees of success it usually <laughs> just comes down to like whenever i have an idea like in the shower or something i try to get it down but most of the time it's not when i'm like sitting down being like oh yeah i'm gonna write something today i don't do the everyday thing very well i try to though i mean try to at least sit down like mess around like try to get something recorded or whatever even if it's not not good. I guess this this mixes in with the advice one. I just uh, somebody showed me this video, um, and um, he was saying you gotta just every once in a while give yourself an arbitrary deadline to do something, 
and uh, just get something finished, like anything, like finish a song, like do a song in a day and finish it yeah. and just say, okay, like that's a song, you know? And because uh, one of my big problems is I'll start things, like I'll start a hundred things, but none of them I, that I can ever like show anybody because they never, I never finish them up. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying just do it, just fucking finish it. And then even if you don't like it, you know, at least you're getting practice finishing something. And uh, I thought that was good advice. I got that recently. So I've uh, been trying to put that into practice. Yeah. yeah. Dylan, that's, Dylan, Dylan's vibe very much. Like he, uh, Dylan has, did something that I really like learned from Dylan is he has like a huge bounce folder. Like I, I don't bounce out a lot of things that I don't like or whatever. But Dylan has like a huge bounce folder of like half of the things he would be like, Oh yeah, this is shit. Like whatever, but I'm like, god damn, that's a great song, you know. So it really, just got into my head of like, just do anything. Try to just do something as often as you can. Yeah. But then whenever inspiration hits, do it. Whenever I do sit down, though, I have to have my caffeine and I have to have nicotine. That's my <laughs> whole routine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, having gone through some schooling with regard to audio and with regard to music, I mean, do you now? feel that that was a worthwhile process? I mean, if you were talking to up-and-coming producers or songwriters, would you say just focus on your own stuff or is it better to have gone through those experiences as well? Focus on your own stuff 100%. I'm glad I went through my experiences. But <laughs> Okay, yeah. so it's good to go through... You should learn something, you know? Like, it's good to learn things and uh, to push yourself and stuff. But also, focus on what you're doing like use the opportunities that are provided to you to you know get some stuff done like try to work on what you do whatever it is you do i think that's just in general yeah good advice yeah yeah no loads loads of great advice here i reckon um we should let you go uh, thanks so much for your time i really appreciate it it's been brilliant to get a, a little window into the world of 100 gex and the way that you work um we should play out one more song from the album as a kind of outro track. And I was thinking I got my tooth removed might be a good choice just because it's different again, you know? And how did this come about? What were you thinking of? And sometimes I think listening to the songs that they, they relate specifically to particular experiences, such as I got my tooth removed. And then, that, you know, that was the impetus. You know, that was obviously a painful experience and an intense catalyst for creativity in some way but um i really like that element of what you're doing you know that um tiny and maybe not so tiny instances can be the springboard for something everything is <laughs> everything is a is a relatable experience you know so i mean in terms of the development if i got my tooth removed you know what what happened with this i was <laughs> in my kitchen with um ellie my fiance and um just kind of recorded this just, you know, kind of came, sort of just kind of. I got my tooth removed. Two, 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 two. Got my tooth removed. Two, 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 two. Got my tooth removed. And type vibe. Yeah. And then we kind of built it out. <laughs> when Dylan started cooking, that's when the uh, the songs really started pouring in. <laughs> yes. I think uh, Frog on the Floor was also like that. Just like Dylan was literally cooking and just was like. Popped in his head. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> You've got to capture those moments. Yeah. 
And then brought it straight to Studio One, baby. <laughs> also, one more. Um, also, yeah. probably by the time this comes out, we will have released the stems to the album on our website. Wow. And what's the idea behind that? So people can take those stems and create their we own. We did it for the first album and the second album. Mm. And see what um, happens. It's fun. Yeah. Fun to poke around sometimes, you know? Yeah. yeah. So anybody listening to this, any Tape Notes listener can get the stems for the record and create their own. Yeah. Work, steal, works steal from us. Yeah, steal from you directly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. So thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having yeah, us. Thank we you appreciate so it. Let's hear the master then of I Got My Tooth Removed. You were tough on forgiving, made me cry. Thank you for listening. And in particular, thanks to all of you who have signed up to support us on Patreon. I'm just one part of the team that brings you Take Notes, and it relies on your support. If you'd like to join, head to the link on our socials or website. For pictures, highlight clips, and behind-the-scenes content, head to our Instagram or YouTube channel. And on Discord, you can join the growing Take Notes community. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.